Hello and welcome to the Full of Beans podcast, hosted by myself, Hannah Hickenbotham. Throughout these podcast episodes, we will speak to a range of individuals about their experience of eating disorders, with the aim of increasing awareness and understanding, whilst reducing stigma and isolation. Please note that the topics discussed in this podcast may be triggering for some individuals, so tread lightly, check in with yourself and reflect on these conversations. Today I'm joined by Scottish actor and singer. <laughs> Did you just say Liam Neeson? No, I, said, no, I oh. came up saying John to leave the meeting. So like, oh, oh I no! Well. I thought as you, I thought as I was introducing you, you said Liam Neeson because uh, I said Scottish. Liam is he Neeson. Scottish? He is Irish, which is halfway ah. there. Well, anyway, yeah. we've not got Liam Neeson. <laughs> I don't know whether I'm sad about that or not. I'm not going to lie, but. <sighs> We do have Lawrence Smith and Lawrence is here today um, to talk about his experience of having diabetes and his experience of diabulimia and also to discuss sexuality and eating disorders. And I was just saying to Lawrence before we started this podcast, I was really struggling with how to phrase that introduction because I didn't want to be like, what impact did your sexuality have on your eating disorder? Because that's such a big assumption to say, because that's basically just saying, oh yeah, all you know, if you're gay, you have an eating disorder, which is not true in the slightest. But yeah, or yeah, or if you have an eating disorder, you are gay. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's a, I don't know, man, it's a, it's a funny old, funny old one. Um, but we'll come to that when we come we to shall. it. We shall. Mm. So you can all wait for that. Um, <laughs> hello, anyway, I feel like I blabbered on there about Liam Neeson. No, that's okay. That's how I like to start most of my conversations, actually. <laughs> Yeah. Um, just kind of gets gets the ball rolling, kind of sets the sets the the sights quite low, um, which is good to go from. Yeah. 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 How are you today? Shall I be totally honest? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Bless you. Yeah, not not I'm not not humding in. I'm not I'm not a 10 out of 10 today. Mm-hmm. Um which so I just thought I'd be upfront about that, but then but I don't it's a funny thing I don't want to be like oh, I'm not very good today and therefore I'm going to be really rubbish chat and blah blah because it's kind of like well I don't want to give permission give myself permission to not do a good job do you know what I mean like if I'm like oh, I'm not feeling well today I know that I'm not gonna be at my best but I don't want to wallow in that or mm-hmm. um kind of excuse some behavior so I'm just gonna do you know what? I'm gonna ride on I'm gonna be honest with you not I'm not my best but I'm still going to do my best in the in the mood that I have to uh, in me right now uh, to to still because I can still barrel on through. And, you know, if I said at the start, you know, I'm not going to be good today. That's quite a defeatist mm-hmm. um, label with which to give myself. So maybe if yep. I'm like, OK, I'm not feeling great today, but I'm going to rally and 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 do my best, you know, then that's yep. that's even though it's, it's not necessary, it's not, it's a bit of more of a positive spin on, I'm not good mm-hmm. today. It's like, I'm not good today, but I'm going to yeah. try my best. Absolutely. So, and so I that's, think... To answer your question, that's what I'm doing. Well, I really appreciate you being honest because I think, you know, not everybody is a hundred percent every day. 
and you can that doesn't mean that you have to like you said wallow in it and sit in a corner and not get on with life you can do the best that you can do today Mm. but also I think you being honest and saying I'm actually not that might somebody listening might think hey he said on a podcast that he wasn't feeling 100% today like maybe in life I can when people say to me how are you I don't have to say yeah great thanks Mm. how are you totally and you know and it'd be disingenuous of me as well you know if I'm the reason I'm on this podcast is because of you know I've caught your attention and stuff and if I if I'm catching your attention as a someone who talks openly about eating disorders and mental health if I was to be like yep I'm fine I'm totally fine when I'm not then again that's added this disingenuity and um, maybe if I'm saying how I'm feeling Mm -hmm. then that might empower someone else to say how they're feeling and and you start to realize that so many people are, fe- are feeling the same yeah. um, way, especially in the time that we are living in currently. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think yeah. that's predominantly the reason I started this podcast was, you know, if if you hear one person say, I was struggling and I got help, then maybe somebody else might go and get help as well. It's also trying to evade perhaps as well some labels, because my partner has been quite frank with me have been like just make sure that you are being entirely careful with yourself in in all this uh the the awareness raising that you're doing Mm -hmm. that you don't get labeled as the eating disorder guy or or Mm -hmm. or or whatever because you know with the eating disorder it gave me such a strong identity or i thought it did um and then battles with recovery because I was like, well, this I was under the illusion that the eating disorder was the only good thing about me or the only interesting thing about me or the only remarkable thing about me. So if someone tries to take that away from me, then I have nothing left. And, you know, it's, it's, it's really tricky. And, and yeah, I think the idea of, of oh, we're going on a tangent, buckle up, <laughs> boys. But like, you know, but that's a, dang, a bit of one of the dangers of labeling because it wasn't until someone said to me, Lawrence, you have an eating disorder. That's when things started to fall into place, and a lot of the chaos that I was experiencing in my life started to make a lot of sense. Even though mm. the evidence was all there, and I could put it all together, like I think I have an eating disorder. It wasn't until someone else said it, I was like, "Okay, here we go, plan of action." You know, just and hearing those words kind of gave me permission, I think, to to engage in that um, that diagnosis and kind of mm. go, "Okay, well, if I've." got a term for what this is then maybe there's a way out of it as well um because if it if you're kind of living your life feeling very nebulous or feeling very confused or feeling like am I the only person who feels like this or is this am I wrong is what is this for some to say no this is a diagnosable thing or this is a mm-hmm. recognized state of being um then in the textbooks obviously it'll give you the 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 sad reality of, of a lot of these disorders and, and, and conditions but there are recovery stories and survival stories so trying to hang hang a bit of hope onto that mm-hmm. so that's so, how I'm doing today thanks for asking <laughs> I'm glad I'm glad that you have got it out there <sighs> if I was the first person you said that to if I was not then that's I'm really glad that you were able to to say how you're feeling um so thank you talking of labels I think that's quite a poignant thing for this podcast because mm. I'm, I'm, I'm making an assumption again, but mm. um, would you say that initially you were labelled as a diabetic? Yeah, I mean, so I was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes when I was three years old. Oh, wow. 
And that's a tricky one as well. So my 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 maternal grandfather, he had diabetes as well, type one. Okay. So then when I started to exhibit the signs, obviously, obviously there was sadness and obviously there was turmoil and stuff in my family, but it wasn't shock as much, or mm-hmm. it was it was a lot of this is so disappointing on such a strong level. But it was a case of okay, well, we we know what this is, like we okay. know what diabetes is. We weren't having so so that I mean I was three years old I I have no I had no other idea but my family reacted I think in in that way and just for people Um, listening what is type mm, 1 diabetes if they don't know totally people might know about type 2 but maybe not type 1 sure absolutely and this is also a tricky thing um because I was diagnosed when I was three asking me about diabetes is like asking me why I've got blue eyes I'm like, no, 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 I just have that. I guess I've got mm-hmm. it. You know, um, because, um, maybe if I had diabetes now with my adult brain, uh, I could maybe be like, oh, okay, it's this. Whereas for so long, it's like diabetes is the thing that makes me feel funny. Um, essentially, it's um, it's a chronic disease. It's um, so, so type two generally is um, manifest via lifestyle um, and, and is uh, controllable in that regard. Um, but type one diabetes is genetic. And once you have it, you got it. And it's essentially your pancreas, which is the organ in your body, which um, responds to sugar levels, um, is my, mine is malfunctions. So when someone else um, ingests some food or sugar um, or like you know carbohydrates uh, into sugar, a non-diabetic's pancreas goes, ah, there's sugar in the, in, in the body now. Hang on, I'm just going to release the appropriate amount of insulin a chemical which will fight the sugar and break it down and turn it into useful things in the body. But when a diabetic person, type one diabetic person ingests the sugar because the pancreas is asleep or dormant or dead, um, it doesn't then release, it doesn't respond appropriately. So it doesn't send out naturally occurring insulin, which means that the sugar levels will build and build and build and build and build. And, and so your someone else's body is regulating it. A diabetic's body isn't re- regulating at all because on the flip side of that is say you've been doing some exercise or you haven't eaten in a while your blood sugar levels start to dip and I think I've heard other people non-diabetic people talking about oh I've got low blood blood sugar I'm having a sugar crash I'm like oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but what happens is your body will then go oh, and it will sweep you out of that free fall and it will release chemicals which will send sugars back up again or store um release sugar stores um but a diabetics sorry i don't know how boring this is for other people um no, i'm a biomed student so I'm loving it. oh god okay well you tell me that no i'm kidding um, <laughs> have I, have I, is this okay so far you're all um, good <laughs> Bless you. Uh, and then, uh, but then it, a diabetic person, if they haven't, ex- if they've been doing exercise or if they haven't eaten enough, if they haven't eaten enough, let's come on to an eating disorder soon. Um, then uh, my pancreas doesn't recognize that I'm in free fall. Mm. So I will just keep do- dropping, 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 and dropping, which is when a diabetic needs to, so when, when you're having low sugar levels, that's when you're having a hypo, hypoglycemic attack. And you have to ingest sugar to to raise artificially raise up your body's sugar level. If you're having a hyperglycemic attack, you've got too much sugar. That's when I need to take insulin 
to, to artificially bring it back down again. Um, Cause what you're looking for, you're looking for that sweet spot. You're looking for your Goldilocks, not too high, not too low. Yeah. I was going to say that must be so challenging to know how much. Yeah, baby. <laughs> it is. <laughs> yeah. It, it's, it's a tricky old wicket. Uh, it's hard. And once you add on the whole, the, the food stuff, it's kind of um, not shocking that there's such a high prevalence of, because you're having to think about everything that you eat and what has been tricky in some uh, recovery scenarios uh, with the eating disorder, people are like, just, you know, don't think about numbers. Don't think about food. Just like, mm. just have a you day. I'm like, I, there's, there's, there's not a second of a day that goes by that a diabetic person isn't having to think. And um, what is interesting is, so I was diagnosed uh, in the early nineties. Oh God. Um, I just revealed my age uh, in the early 90s uh, in the Highlands of Scotland. So they were like, I don't know, diabetes, question mark. Um, bless. Uh, and, you know, so I was three years old, so I wasn't really party to a lot of the conversations that were going on. Um, and uh, I don't know what it would be like if I was diagnosed now at my mm. age um as I say I was a child so I kind of just rolled with the punches um but what has been very striking to me over the past couple of years is when I've gone in for a diabetic appointment checkup there's one doctor in particular kind of went cool so how you doing I was like oh uh yeah I'm fine you know I was, uh, I was a bit sweaty on the tube or whatever he's like cool no, no I just meant like how how are you because we know how shit diabetes can be I was like oh whoa like it had taken maybe that's just a catch-up of medicine or or this one particular Mm -hmm. doctor I don't know but for someone to kind of recognize you kind of got a bit of a raw deal here yeah uh how you how you coping I was like that's that's a very it was a very powerful um message to receive uh, and very appreciated um but it's it's a tricky one that um so my as I say I was three and my t- my brother who's two years older than I am um he uh he then was diagnosed six months later oh wow um my mum thinks it's Chernobyl she thinks because we're in the, the northern hemisphere like very top of Scotland like the Chernobyl gas cloud came over and um I don't know sorry mum um because uh, they're like there's seven kids in my village we lived in a, in a wee village seven of us all had type 1 diabetes I don't know something in the water um wow. yeah it was kind of it was that that was a bit weird actually um that is I only mm. know two people with type 1 diabetes yeah we had, oh, we had three a bunch now of them. because I know you well bless you and not to be weird but my boyfriend has it as well oh um, wow which we we kind of we didn't but we only found well I mean we found out pretty quickly um but uh yeah it's, it's, it's like I'm collecting them so for you it is kind of I don't I don't want to say mm-hmm. normal because you've had it since you were three, but if your brother and then your boyfriend as well. Yeah. It's kind of, I feel it in my fingers. It's, <laughs> every, it's everywhere you go. Yeah. Um, it's, yeah, it's, it's been a part, it's been a constant part of my life. Mm-hmm. And in some ways it, it has normalized it because, uh, yeah, you go for on holiday and your brother has the same injection as you do or, mm-hmm you know it's it's and it's it it 
I never felt othered because of it within my family setting. Um, it is annoying that I can't pretend to be like, oh, it's my diabetes. And then my boyfriend's like, we'll do a blood test. See, no, you're not. So, and it, so there's no sympathy, which is annoying because yeah. that's what I want. But it's funny. I don't know. It's a weird one. And, and it's taken a long time as well for me to have. Um, uh, it's, a, it's a very, I have a very combative relationship with it. And mm-hmm. it's in a much better place now than it was. Um, um, but I, I mean, I've got a lot, one of the blood sensor oh, monitors. Yeah adhesive ones and that took a long time I was they are cool but I was I was eligible for one of those so for for the listeners at home um it's a adhesive like semi-permanent that comes off every two weeks Mm -hmm. but semi-permanent thing that you stick on your arm and then you've got an app on your phone and you can just press up against the 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 sensor monitor and it tells you what your blood sugars are doing and previous to that it would be um finger pricks so you'd be Mm -hmm. pricking your finger four, five, six, seven times a day, drawing blood every day, your own blood. Um, it's weird uh, how you just kind of go, this is normal. The, what do you call it? Mm-hmm. Sorry, the thing on your arm, what's it called? Um, Norman. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> like, I don't know, like sensor. A little white. Mo- I think it looks like an yeah, air monitor. tag. Yeah, sure. Yeah, a little white but diabetes air tag. That's what you've mm. got. And even though I was eligible for a long time for the for the sticker thing for the sensor, I didn't want it because I thought, no, I'm I'm like an OG diabetic. I do my finger pricks. Mm. Like I'm uh, it because again, it wrapped its tendrils around my identity, um, and again, a slight de- um, course correction of like, no, no, there's another way of doing your thing. You're doing your blood tests that felt alien to me I was like well that's not the diabetes I know so it's just there's a lot of I don't know there's a lot of, lot of stuff tied into it but uh, yeah it's a funny old one anyway continue I do think the technology is cool but also I can appreciate yeah. that it it's, must be still a very stressful thing even though it's cool yeah 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 there is and because it's also if I know that my levels aren't doing very well, I used mm-hmm. to be able to ignore it and be like, oh, okay, I'll do a test later. Whereas now I kind yeah. of don't have an excuse. I can, I can do a test right now and see if I'm doing well or not. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's inviting a lot of judgment on myself, which I already, um, I fling on top of me already quite willingly, but then adding on like a diabetic, or am I being a good diabetic or a bad diabetic? And just having 24 hours a day, judgment placed upon you and um, with very real consequences is is the annoying thing um yeah. it's yeah it's quite it's quite a lot to 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 digest and as i say being diagnosed at three maybe my parents were given information that i couldn't handle as a three-year-old about you know the ramifications mm-hmm. um but there are you know there are very real consequences and but I think you spend a lot of your time being like oh that happens to other people that's that's a, that's another person problem mm-hmm. um but one of these days everyone you all become the other person at some point so which yes. way do we go with this I think mm. before we talk about the diabolemia mm. what are the consequences of not having your insulin Sorry, this water smells horrible. Anyway, sorry, I just um, cut around that bit. <laughs> Gordon Bennett. Anyway. Um, Gordon Bennett, what a saying. My mum says that all the time. Who the hell is Gordon Bennett? 
I don't know, but his ears must be burning. Burning ears is a symptom. No, I'm kidding. Um, so wait, so what was the question? What's the, what was the, the actual question? The consequences so of, I think the scientific word for it is emitting insulin. Oh, yeah. Well, I, I mean, I'll talk about it in layman's terms because that's who I am. Um, but in, in how it makes me feel. Um, mm-hmm. The you know the higher that your your sugar levels are rising, God, I don't know how I describe it. It's 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 you're so lethargic, you're so you're so thirsty, um, but your body is desperately trying to flush out fluids. It's trying to get rid of. It's like uh uh warning 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 something's going wrong. Let's just get rid of fluids. I'm sure there's a more scientific reason than that. Oh, increased thirst, increased trips to the toilet. I get like a tingling. I get a lot of a cloudy brain. Um, so even today at work, you know, people are like, hi, can I get a double shot macchiato and an oat milk latte? Hold the foam and blah, blah, blah. And I'm just like, I am going to make you a coffee because that's all I heard. I'm so sorry. Um, and when you're giving requests yeah, you just... like that, that's probably what you deserve essentially yeah i mean come on come on there's a pandemic ma'am um <clears throat> yeah it, it, there's a lot of yeah a lot of brain fog a lot of confusion um a lot of, and just yeah lethargy and, and sometimes it feels like you're it feels like you're tingly or you're spiky and hot and you get very sweaty it's 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 not fun um and i feel like i can feel my heart beating a lot but that might just be i don't know but um Yes, and but then if that's sustained over a period of time, um, what can happen is because the body's trying to put out this fire, it start the body starts to break down um, other stores of of uh, not insulin, but stores of, of of energy to 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 flush out this thing, and it starts to eat away at your muscles and it starts to burn fat. Oh ho! Um, so if you emit your insulin long enough, um, you start to lose weight. On the flip side, actually, before, so that's high sugar levels, low sugar levels. That's a whole other thing, because that's also the the brain fog. It's also shakes, um, and I, I, you feel the, you feel. I think I, I personally feel the effects of a hypo much more acutely than than being high um because you're shaking again the confusion the sweating the just blank stares the just it's it that's not fun either um and it's scary you are you're feeling you're not in in control um because you're not your, your body is going it is in a state of distress um so as much as you want to politely excuse me please and, and leave the room it's hard, you know, you're, you're not, you're not, you're not fully on the ball. Um, so they're scary. And growing up having hypos as a kid is scary. And you also, your body then lizard brain takes over being like, you need sugar, babe, get it in you. So you will just, you will eat a lot or ingest a lot, or this is me personally, or you'll drink loads of orange juice or fizzy juice or, and you will keep going. And the thing is, it takes a little while for your sugar levels to climb back up again, but you don't know that yet. And in the moment, you're like, I just need to eat. And so you will just eat and eat and eat. And, and there'll be a lot of 
that involved because you think the more I eat the quicker I will get out of this even though your body's already coming back out of it but um and lows happen if we go back to slide a low sugars happen because for example because you might have done too much exercise or if you haven't eaten enough so as we're tying this back into eating disorders ladies and gentlemen mm-hmm. and folks um 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 the result of at the start of my uh, eating sort of journey of overexercising and under eating would lead to massive having hypos mm-hmm. where I would then I need to eat to correct what has just happened, gone wrong. So then I'm like, hang on a second. Like I've just been running the half, you know, half of Scotland. I need to come home and I need to eat a Twix. Like that doesn't make sense to me. This, this doesn't seem fair. And that's tricky. So then what would happen is I'm like, oh, hang on. If I, and I, I don't like, this is the, the truth. I, I don't, mm. like, we can edit around this if, if, if this mm-hmm. is controversial. So say seven is a good number to be at. Anything below four, hypo, bad. Mm-hmm. So you tr- you're aiming for seven. If I'm rock- going along at seven, 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 do some exercise, don't eat enough, I will then dip. And I'll start to dip, I'll dip into a low. Yeah. If I'm up at 14 and I don't eat and I exercise, I will dip, but I maybe then will dip into a seven. Oh, that's healthy. And I, I'll, I'll avoid the hyper range. Great. So if I, hmm, this is my eating sort of brain. And if I manufacture higher sugar levels so that I'm starting off from a higher place, when I do the exercise, I'm not going to dip as low. So I'm not mm-hmm. going to, not going to hypo. So what would happen is I would just, just over time, I would just stop taking as much insulin because when, when you eat something, your body sends out the correct amount of insulin. I would send out the incorrect. I would, I would omit insulin. I would take less insulin than, than I should have. And what would happen is then I'd get a bit of a bump of the insulin, but my body would be in panic mode and would be, fighting it and would be losing weight it would be burning fat cells mm. so that i would just i would stay up here and i'd event and i would eventually just kind of stop stop injecting i would inject um my, my nighttime levels to make sure i didn't um die in the night frankly um um <laughs> um but i would i would yeah, I would seriously mess around with what I should be doing um, in the perceived goal of, well, this would be good when I've lost a bit of weight, um, even though I was, I was causing absolute havoc to my body and my brain. Um, yeah, so it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a hard one. And, but as I say, with the diabetics journey, there's so much focus on food and, and, and what you're having. And, and are you, are you taking enough? Are you doing this? Are you doing the right thing? Are you doing enough exercise? Are you not doing, are you doing too much? It's just, oh, there's a lot of spinning plates. And I think because I wasn't a particularly rebellious child, I think I was quite well-behaved, um, didn't have any vices of any sort, really. Um, when it came to my parents relinquishing control of my diabetes because they would administer the injections or they would make sure I'm doing the blood tests or they would check in or they'd help me write out my logbook of what my blood sugar levels are and all this as they started to be like well you're a man now or as I took on the responsibility 
I panicked and rather than spinning those plates, I just let them all drop because I thought, well, that's easy. That's, ah, ah, that's easier to do than to manage all these things happening at once. Mm -hmm. And I think there was, there was a large part of it as well was I think growing up from three years old with everyone around you being like, you could die at any moment. So we're going to have to look after you that then create does create a cushion and a, a barrier and a, and a safety net essentially of the my team's got me everyone else has got my back i if i kind of make a mistake here or there someone else will pick up pick up the mess essentially and as i started to get older and go into adolescence and all the fun things that puberty brings along with it and the idea of leaving high school, leaving home, having a career, paying taxes, moving house, finding uh, all that felt so overwhelming. And I realized that my safety net wasn't there anymore because I'm, I'm growing up, which is the natural thing to do. Um, so part of my getting ill, I think, was to, again, manufacture this safety net and, and keep myself in that cushion of being mm -hmm. surrounded by, by, care and attention frankly um a lot of i think if i'm totally honest a lot of it was attention and i think there's such a bad rap uh that people get of like um are they just attention seeking it's like well yeah but for a reason, not in like, that way yeah 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 yeah, yeah. There's, there's yeah there there, yeah. there are there are ways to do it and there are reasons to do it um but i yeah. think if someone is in is in distress and that's the I didn't have, I don't think, I didn't have the vocabulary. This is me 10, 15 years on from the fact, kind of going, I think this is what I was doing. Yeah. I was in such a muddled, as is the case, such a muddled mindset that I was kind of grasping at anything I could. Mm -hmm. And so I'm looking back and saying, I think this is what it was. And yeah, so I just, I just, I, especially at the time, I just don't think I had the words to say, oh, I need help yeah so i the tools i had at my disposal included the, this, this diabetes which had been such a um a negative no i don't it wasn't a negative it was it was a force in my life it was a, it was a very present force in my life if i'm saying it was negative that might be slightly disingenuous i, I, I don't know I, I don't have an alternative mm -hmm. it was what it was but it was present and I thought, well, I have been saddled with this burden for most for all my life so far, really. Um, maybe I can use it to my my advantage now, in a destructive way. And if you add in like, I I look, I must have been like depressed as a kid. I don't know. I like and times of bouts of sadness and stuff. And I was prone to to self destructive behaviors, and you know, I um, self harmed um and had very low moods and then all this stuff and one of the i don't know the biggest self-harms was was doing this thing to my body um because i think as well i didn't ask for diabetes a stupid thing to say but in this um example i didn't ask for diabetes but so i was kind of punishing my body or being like well mm. if i've got it i'm gonna fucking use it yeah um so yes yeah, so i think i think there was a lot of simmering anger um and be it at the diabetes or you know i can't it's tricky sometimes to say i'm diabetic 
And that's in, in itself is an identifier as opposed to I have diabetes yeah. in the same way I'm anorexic. I have anorexic, you know, that's how I spent yeah. many, many years as well. So if you're, if I'm having this hatred of this diabetes or hatred of my mood disorders and stuff, then, well, they're so intrinsically linked to who I am. So if I'm hating on the diabetes, I'm, I am hating myself a little bit. Mm. Um, and it's hard to, hard to do that when, yeah, you're, I am my safety net. Fuck it. That's what I should be thinking. Like, yeah, I'm looking for all these other things, but it should be me. I should be the, mm-hmm. my, my biggest champion. I should be my biggest hero. And, and, and I should be the one who gets me out of these, these situations. And sometimes that's hard when you don't feel, or I don't feel, or I didn't feel, or I don't feel. I felt like a Sondheim lyric. Um, um, sometimes I'm not kind to myself. And I'm not nice to myself and I don't think highly about myself. So, but I'm the person who has to get me out of these situations that I've already put yeah. myself into. And sometimes that can be really hard. Um, and okay, today I'm going to do this. Today I'm going to rock it. I've never said that in my life before, but today I'm going to do something really, yeah, I'm going to do something something for me or I'm going to put these plans in action that I've been delaying for so long, for so long, for so long, for so long. And then just something can trip you up. Yeah. And you're like, oh, what's the point? You know, and, and, and that's really hard because so when it comes to your long-term health as well, I'm going to, I'm going to be really good today. I'm going to really look after myself today. But if you're not feeling good about yourself, if you're not feeling nice to yourself, that can be the first thing to go. I think what you said about um, kind of being in self-destruct mode is something I've always thought about eating disorders that I guess I don't think is really spoken about a lot, but it's the perspective I've always had in that it is a form of self-harm because mm. you're harming yourself so much, whether you you don't see it maybe as like a, a physical harm, but it is a physical harm because, you know, like you've said with the diabulimia, there's short-term impacts, there's long-term impacts, but it's kind of, you just fog over those, it, those consequences that are going to happen for, for that feeling of that self-destruct. Yeah. For the for um, the, the that that immediate feeling of I'm yeah. feeling shit I'm feeling shit right now, yeah. You could say like oh, but you might not be feeling bad, and I don't care about it in six hours time or in six yeah. months time. I can't think about that far ahead. I'm think- right now. It's now, yeah, yeah. And I mean, I think this is a really really difficult question. From what you said, and like, tell me if I'm wrong. It sounded mm-hmm. as though things sort of started with the excessive exercise and the food restriction that it was going down the path of anorexia and then you kind of thought I feel like there's a different way I can do this with having diabetes so do you do you think Mm. that you would have developed an eating disorder regardless of having diabetes and I know that's like the the most (laughs) open question in the whole entire world that's like saying Uh, I don't even know yeah but I guess more what I'm saying is to me the way that you've described it it sounds more like your personality traits Mm. like led you down the path of an eating disorder rather than it being you had diabetes and therefore you die you developed diabulimia yeah I think I I I accidentally fell arse backwards into diabulimia I didn't know that that's the that's what I was engaging in Mm -hmm. I if I could be honest with myself but I wasn't at the time I knew I had an eating disorder yeah um it just so happened that I was also 
neglecting my diabetes at the time because I was neglecting everything at the time I didn't go for a haircut in like a year because I was like I don't want anyone to look at me don't want there's no point in anyone looking at me and if and oh shit well I've left it too long now if I get a haircut now then people are going to go oh you've had a haircut and then they're going to look at me I don't want anyone to look at me so I'm just going to keep having this long so you know that's that's an extreme example but I was every aspect of my life was well yeah and I'm not a um listeners you won't know this but I'm not a particularly snappy dresser a gray t-shirt I I don't like drawing attention to myself which is um a bit of a irony considering I am a performer uh and and I do all this stuff and like my partner is saying it's just the stupidest thing he's like you you can stand in a auditorium of theater of like 3,000 people belting show tunes but you can't phone the dentist or you know or, or and and it's just it's just my skill set and I guess I can oh, disappear into a character I was just literally gonna say do you think it's because you're not being you no I don't know I think it, I think it's me showing off I think I'm like oh we're quite good at this here we go um, uh-huh. because I'm never I don't think I ever um really well I don't know if I ever really completely disappear into a role there's always me mm. kind of going oh you fucked that bit oh that that note wasn't quite right oh that worked that went okay today oh the audience aren't laughing very much I am hell to work with I'm so sorry oh I shouldn't have admitted that but I won't I don't switch off like my brain's ping 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 which I think is a good thing because it means I'm constantly evaluating okay what can be done better how can this which is why in terms of you know stage work but also uh, working in hospitality I'm aware of who's eating what and who needs a coffee and oh that customer's just come in I think they're about to drop their fork they drop their fork I'll go get another one you know I'm quite good at, at, at all this stuff so, um, you know, external um, evaluating, but I am horrendous at internal evaluation. Like I'm, I, I can't, I don't, I don't know what, uh, how I come across to other people. So I just naturally assume they don't like me, but so going back to your original question, I don't, I don't know. I don't know if, if um, it's, it's very chicken and the egg. Um, mm-hmm. Don't have any concern because I have diabetes, and it, it, it is hard. But it's, but it's still, it's. I think it's, it's a worthy question because if it's making me think, and I'm the person who's sitting here chatting about it, I'm like, well, God, that's such a good point. Yeah, I think I personally was was prone to uh, to to self destruct or mm-hmm. self destructive behaviors, and it just so happened that one of them was this. Um, because as I say, you know, I was also engaging in other, in other self destructive behaviors, and. I want to ask you another question, but it's something that we haven't really spoken about on this podcast. And I think that is, uh, I don't know, it's just never really come up. Um, But Mm -hmm. I think it's quite common in terms of self-harm. The self-harm, how did you start? Was it once you had the eating disorder sort of, you were in recovery for that? Did the self-harm go along with that or did it not coincide? It's uh, again, it's a tricky one in that receiving care for the eating disorder and 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 the assorted stuff is a was a very drawn out process, um, and so it's be seeing multiple different uh, services over a period of time, and sometimes being like, oh, I think I'm okay, I think I'm, oh, and then then dropping again. The self harm was intermittent. 
So I think it was it wasn't a constant that ran through it ran through the whole experience. So okay. it it would flare up in in times of of distress or or in times mm. of, um, I think again in in times of. I have so many feelings, and I do not know what, to, and I cannot contain them in this husk of a shell of a body, and and a lot of the the Eaton Sorger was. I felt that I personally had so much, I felt I had so much excess. I had so much stuff that I'd accumulated over life. And it, and I told myself it was manifesting itself in my fat or in, in my, what I had on my body. And I, I'm, I was looking for a sense of, which makes it sound so um, quaint, but I was looking for a sense of, of purity I think I wanted to to get rid of all this excess, all this negativity, all this stuff, this stuff. I wanted to do a spring clean, as it were, of my of myself, of my, yeah, of my body. And and going back to that safety net thing is one I wanted to be a child because that's when I felt safest because people were looking mm -hmm. after me. So I think I just I had a lot of hatred for not not just in terms of to be totally shallow and boring but like you know Instagram like oh like weight loss it's not it's not that it was it wasn't about my my physical appearance it was about my just physical self I hated like I hated it and I just wanted to get rid of okay shrink down get rid of that and then I can maybe then come back up again in this new and improved version of me and that didn't really happen but um so I think there was just there was it's as you know it's so hard to rationalize such an irrational time in your life yeah I mean hey ho but um I think yeah the self-harm was part and parcel of that of mm. I was a confused young man um a really oh <laughs> a really sad um young chap um who didn't didn't know what to do with all these feelings he was having mm. and you know I just I didn't yeah I didn't have the vocabulary to ask for help I didn't know I didn't necessarily want help I didn't think I deserved help um because as I as I said earlier you know finally I felt that this was giving me a purpose and was giving me an, an identity and something that they went oh Lawrence he's the thin one right oh yeah okay as opposed to Lawrence he's um which was he again I wanted a marker. I wanted something mm. to, to be memorable. Um, and in terms of cries for help and attention seeking, self-harm is part of that. It, it is a, it's communicating. I am not okay right now, but I don't know what else yeah. to do or I don't. But again, some people would try, they would take up my invitation of talk to me, ask me how I am. And I push them away um, because the Lawrence who did it isn't the same Lawrence who responds to the question and it's it's mm. um and it was horrible and, and I knew it wasn't the right thing to be doing but it but it felt it felt like the only option I I, I had at the time uh, which is kind of you can say for for the whole the whole the whole situation really I think you made such a good point there especially if people are listening and kind of you know they're somebody who's supporting somebody that might be going through something similar is I often think that 
with an eating disorder or self-harm or any anything like that it is a internal cry for help and I'm not saying that in an attempt mm. you know all these negative words that we have cry for help attention seeking mm-hmm. they've become mm-hmm. negative connotations but they're not in the slightest like it is literally just that you do not have the words to put into place to say I'm not okay right now but I can't say that to you so I'm not mm-hmm. going to, you know, I'm going to restrict my food intake. I'm going to punish myself with exercise. I'm going to harm myself. Mm. But equally with all of that, just because they're exerting, like giving off those behaviors, it doesn't mean that they're, they're then going to have the words afterwards. And I think that's something like to really recognize because you might notice that someone's acting in that way and think, okay, let's have a chat with them. But if they're doing those behaviours, they're they're probably struggling so much to put it into words that, you know, it's it's likely that they're going to push you away even more, and mm-hmm. that's so mm-hmm. hard as somebody who's supporting somebody. Totally, and, and because as I say, even I'm 10, 15 years on, I'm still confused about what I was doing. So asking my friends when when we were all teenagers to try and figure out what I was doing, you know, that's such an ask. And again, it's. <sighs> it's tricky because those the roots of an eating disorder or of depression or of self or anything they're so strong and if I've I've sometimes worried that if a friend or a loved one would try and chop the root of the eating disorder well it it's wrapped around me yeah so you're chopping both of us there um and it's and it takes such a delicate um unraveling um to 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 separate and to separate also who who is Lawrence and who is Lawrence without it the eating disorder and I'm still as a I'm gonna say again 30 year old man so we had to pause the podcast as and I just was blown away by my age um no um I still kind of go I wonder who I would have been if I didn't have this damn it, you know, oh, it's taken quite a lot from me. Um, and, you know, looking for the positives, I'm trying to find the positives, even at the worst times I was trying to find the positives. Okay, like there must be a meaning to this. There must be, I've watched so many films. There must be, everything happens for a reason. Um, what is my act three twist? You know, like something has to come from this. So part of it, I think, is me being able to talk about it openly because um, I couldn't do that for many, many years. Mm-hmm. Um, but also having the realization of, okay, well, I can sit here and ponder and be like, gosh, I wonder what my life would have been like if I didn't have an eating disorder, or if I had a, even one shred of confidence in myself, I wonder what it would be like. Well, honey, the eating disorder has happened. You, you are yeah. where you are. Uh, so uh, let's keep on, let's keep this train chugging along because yeah. you can't, you can't go back. Um, and what I, what I can implement now is, and I'm, I, I'm trying, is to be more confident in myself and to be, to recognize the good things and to have plans and to, 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 to be working on things. I think if I'm honest, I have not gotten away with, but I have a lot of things have happened or behaviors have happened or my approach to scenarios occur and I kind of go, Oh, but I had an eating disorder, or I've got it, or it's that's my that's my dis, that's my depression talking, or whatever. And it's like, and as as valid as that can be, 
everyone has their own shit. And the one thing I thought made me special, everyone has their special thing. And which is terrifying for me to admit. And I hate doing it. I hate admitting it, but I cannot use what happened. I cannot use, I can't use things like eating disorders, like depression stuff, which are valid things. I cannot go through my life using it as a crutch for when other things in my life that aren't touched by these start going wrong or, or have issues. I, I, I have lived with disordered eating now because recovery, but you know, it's still obviously ongoing. I've lived with it long enough to adapt to it better. Um, so maybe I'm, am I declaring on this podcast right now that I'm, I'm just having to, oh God, I'm just having to be, it's funny having to be kinder to myself, but also a lot harsher to myself of being like, okay, well, that isn't going to cut it anymore. That behavior, you know what it is now. It's not a shock. It's not a surprise. Oh, I, I didn't really want to do that. Maybe it's because you know why I didn't want to do it. And you knew actually the moment when that person asked you, hey, do you want to come around to, or do you want to go out for dinner? You know, you're going to say no. But I can't, so I, 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 I'm, I'm smart enough to not be surprised by that, by my reaction. Um, but I know, oh, I don't want to let them down. So I won't tell them until the last minute. Oh, actually, sorry, um, I, I'm not feeling great today. I knew I wasn't going to say yes to it. So just own up to it. Or what is the worst that could happen if I just said yes to things sometimes? Yep. Someone said it's to funny. me at work the other day, we were going, that we had a lunch break, we had a two hour break in between, in between our shifts. And he's like, hey, do you want to come down? I was like, nope, I'm going to prep. He's like, I know you're going to prep. I was going to walk with you to prep. Oh, um, nope, I'm, uh, I've got reports to do. I didn't have reports to do. I just didn't want my plan to change. And, but what I said to him afterwards is like, I'm really sorry, mate. It's, I'm just, I'm very regimented with my thinking and my food times. I'm just quite regimented about these things. Okay. Well, that's one thing saying I'm regimented about things, but here was a friend saying to me, Hey, I want to hang out with you. Can we go get food together or like, or whatever, or just go for a walk? We've got, we've got time to kill. And I was like, what would we do? We just end up talking for hours. Yeah, that's fun. That's allowed. I'm allowed to enjoy myself. And yet I, I put up these blockades of, or I was about to say the eating disorder put, puts up these blocks. That's not true. I put up these blocks and blame it on the eating disorder. Uh, I, no, I can't eat with other people. Yes, I can. I can. It's hard, but I can. Um. Sorry, I'm. I, my mm. mood has changed. It's one eighty. Like I'm feeling like. <laughs> let's do no, it, baby. I I really appreciate everything you're saying because I think it's the harsh truths that we need when we're in recovery that mm -hmm. you know often we're not willing to say. And I actually had a really similar conversation with my friend the other day. How we were saying realistically when you look at an eating disorder why would you want to recover because like you've just said it's a safety blanket like you know mm -hmm. I have a go at my boyfriend I can just say oh I'm sorry I was just so hungry because I've restricted all day and I just I got at you and I'm sorry and then I'm like oh, oh. <laughs> nobody nobody did that but you like mm. it's I understand that it's a very difficult thing to recover from and it's so hard but what annoyed me and what I think is my 
biggest annoyance I guess at my eating disorder is do what you like to me because at the end of the day like I'm me but when I look back and realize the impact I had on my family or my friends or everything like you know I lost every single friend that I had when I had an eating disorder because Mm. frankly I was not a nice person to be around and at the time I was like oh how dare they like they didn't stick around like what bad friends but now I look back and I think you know I was absolutely horrible and Mm. if somebody does stick around you know my boyfriend he did stick around and I'm so grateful that he did but equally I can understand why people don't and unfortunately I think sometimes we do need that harsh reality and no eating disorders are not a choice but I think sometimes recovery is and Mm. it's really difficult but like you were saying about going out for lunch with your friend that was a choice whether it Mm. felt like it was overpowered by the eating disorder or not it was still a choice yeah to not yeah. go yeah yeah totally it's just it's 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 tricky i think i've said to a friend before like it's like i mean i don't like this analogy but it's like you know if you go to the gym and you only work in one particular muscle group that muscle group is going to be really strong so then lifting that weight is really easy or when it comes or that that muscle group becomes strong if someone says to me, hi, do you want to go for a meal? My eating disorder muscle is so strong. It will squish out the one, the rational thought of, okay, what's worse that could happen? Or this could be fun. Or I like my friend. Let's do that. Um, but because just over years and years and years of practice, 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 and training, 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 that eating disorder muscle is so strong and it, and it, and it can override the, the weaker muscle, you know? Mm. So what it is a case of is me reinforcing that muscle that hasn't been used as much the one that's like okay (laughs) let's try that you know and 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 just taking the power away from from the from the eating disorder and it's interesting Mm. as well what you were saying earlier about oh like what what will we do if we go for lunch together like we'll we'll have to talk and (laughs) it's it's I find it so fascinating talking to people that have had eating disorders or still have eating disorders because it's it's like how I don't know it just it sounds so stupid but I, I just get so, I mean, I find it fascinating, which maybe is wrong. I mean, I work in eating disorders, so I guess that's why sure. I'm there. But like the fact that we have the same thought processes, but we're independent people and nobody's written a manual of, okay, so if you have an eating disorder, this is what you think. Nobody's given mm-hmm. the guidebook, but, you know, like panicking about, oh, we'll have nothing to say or, you know, will they judge me for what I eat or like how will I eat around them and everything? It, I just I just think it's fascinating that Mm -hmm. it shows up in the same way and Mm. I don't know I I don't know I don't know what else to say I just I just it blows my mind and I think and it goes as well to like I'm just so uh as an onlooker so moved or so um grateful that conversations have moved on so much in in over the time that I've been experiencing mm. disordered eating issues and and for guys um I, I, it's still I, I think a, not not as you know it still can be a bit surprising to, to some areas of society mm-hmm. um 
But I know that when I was ill, I, I was so confused. I didn't know what the hell was happening to me at points. And let alone myself, but also in like in society, I felt very alone. Like, well, you know, I'd sometimes Google like eating disorder man, and it would come up with wild suggestions. Uh, or 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 a, a lot of it was, to, to, to be honest, was um, along the bulimic side of things, not not the the weight loss. And I was like, okay, so maybe I don't have an eating disorder because I'm not making myself. Sick. So you know, it was just a lot of confusion. Mm. So I, I think the more vocal some people are um well, the more vocal people are not just some people because that, that assumes that some people have have more of an authority than others i think if you have a lived experience of this you are valid um and i know that and i spent a very long time feeling incredibly guilty as it were that i was never hospitalized for it you know i never had to be an inpatient um on an NHS ward I, I was very fortunate to, to to receive some inpatient time um on a private uh ward um but not too much time in case my dad's uh, company's health insurance policy ran out um <laughs> get better in three weeks um go um but so I have a lot of guilt and a lot of shame about like I was anorexic but I wasn't I wasn't was I that anorexic who cares like I my life was disrupted by disordered eating end of you know and that is valid and so all these permutations of it i diabulimia they didn't have a name back then it was something with diabetes do this i think um and sometimes men do it too you know it's all all this stuff the more that people are coming out and chatting about it the more the future generations of people who hopefully will not have to suffer in silence and there will be fingers crossed more funding um and more services and 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 stuff uh and professionals ready to to help those who are in need because it's all well and good as well i think i've said a lot in the past you know just go and get help talk to your gp hmm that's hard that's easier said than done and also Mm -hmm. i know that a lot of my um recovery um or recovered state has been with time and I know that's a danger, that's a tricky or maybe dangerous thing to say that, oh, it gets better in time. Mine got better in time in conjunction with help, uh, outside help, and in conjunction with my life. I, I wasn't happy in what I was doing or where I was, so, so I moved. or And mm-hmm. I met different people and different life experiences occurred. Um I was miserable at high school, but I think everyone was, you know, and, and, and that's um, that, and that's when the, the stuff developed. And so I, I think it's hard if some people feel maybe that they can't go to their GP or if they can't talk to someone like there are, there definitely are people out there, but I don't want people to think they have to wait for someone else's permission to get better. Yeah. Um because I certainly did I certainly and I I jumped the queue a bit I got I received help because I was diabetic it was my diabetic health mm. specialist team who were like something is going weird with your readings Lawrence what the hell's going on and it took a while but eventually they were like honey I think you got an eating disorder and because I was already in the system and because mm. diabetes has serious health implications um, they could kind of rush me along to 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 go to child med, med, child and adolescent mental health 
childhood <laughs> had a great time there uh very memorable um cams and then also when i then went to gp in london a few years back being like i'm really not feeling very well and uh and i have a history of eating disorders They're like oh mm-hmm, okay well we'll see what we can do i was like and i'm a type 1 diabetic they're like oh we'll see what we can do and that kind of rushed things along as well and and but then what is tricky is then when I then started to engage in this help, they're like, oh, diabetes, okay. But then they weren't as well equipped to deal with it. They didn't really know what diabetes was or the grind of it, the holistic approach to it, that just kind of, how it just kind of touches everything. Whereas they were trained in, men- in you know, mental health things. So the eating disorders, mm-hmm. the self-harm, the depression, but, you know, that was, that was more of a, that was in their wheelhouse. So even though the diabetes got me in the room, once I was in the room, people i didn't know who to talk to or they didn't know how to talk to me um so it's it's a it's a double-edged sword in a way and and i think in some ways it's interesting that a lot of things that have improved they're not perfect at all but a lot of things that have improved are my mood and self-harm for example and the eating disorder the diabetes is still it's a tricky thing and and i may and i think maybe because not as much attention was paid to it at the time when I really needed it and mm. um, so hopefully as more understanding um comes about and more research and, and stuff like this and more people talking about it um yeah people in the future will be a bit in a better position to receive help do you think that's what's needed then do you think it is more training more understanding or do you think there's more specific things that either the people that were on your diabetes diabetes team or the mental health team you know is there things that they could do more or is it just the understanding I don't know I mean it's every man for themselves it's on an individual basis Uh, I I don't know but I mean one thing they could do for example when I go for my diabetic clinic and before I get seen by the doctor I get my blood taken my height and my weight and they do the weight first usually and they say it very loudly across the room to someone else and I look down and there it is and I can see it I'm like oh I've actually avoided scales for two years but here we go cool thrilled to be here thank you so much um and it gets announced and even from that I don't really want to hear oh and they have to kind of explain why you don't want to hear that you don't want to hear the numbers and you're like oh god why am I worried about numbers I thought I was past this and anyway and then they do your blood pressure right afterwards and every time they kind of go oh my god you've got really high blood pressure I'm like you just wait 30 seconds until that fucking trauma's out of the way and then it comes down again um so maybe if it could just say somewhere on my notes, um, don't announce his weight to the room. Um, I think yeah, that's a that's... general statement overall, um, mm. because I went for, I've got the implant and mm. um, I went for a checkup to just make sure that it was doing what it needed to be doing and it was happy. And um the man said to me, oh, can you, the doctor, he said, can you get on the scales? And I was like, I can, but I'd prefer if you didn't say what my weight is because I, I do have a history of an eating disorder. And I got on the scales and he went, mm-hmm, mumbled it out loud. And I was like, I'm, I'm sorry, did you just hear what I said? And then, you know, fortunately now I am in a very 
comfortable place where yeah. I can walk away I can reflect on what's happened I can think why did that hurt me and I then don't go back to past behaviors but mm-hmm. if that was me a few years ago I yeah and that, and that's but that and that's that's that is such a good sign of growth it's the thing of like oh mm. the thing happened but I didn't action it or I didn't I had yeah. the, the the event happens you have the reaction or you have the thought and then the reaction but then the event happens you have the thought and that's no when the, when yeah no reaction that's when the I guess the element of choice comes in or that's when the yeah I could do this or I could do that before yeah. I'd say the eating disorder muscles like well you're gonna have to go to the gym hun off you go whereas now it's like okay fork in the road do I go to the gym do I go about my day because I've actually I've got work later actually I need to feed my cat I need to you know xyz you know there's other things to do which one takes precedence right now in the past eating sort of wind would win every single time and that's why my grades were in the toilet and I had a terrible social life and all this stuff and whereas now I've got a bit more recovery breeds plurality yeah of choice um of like okay I, there's there's a life outside of of yeah purely an eating disorder yeah. um which is a, a nice a nice thing to have and I've said this so many times on this podcast that people listening probably think here she goes again but mm. I personally do think that that is recovery I think some people might mm. get full recovery or whatever full recovery even is but for me it's the like you said the thing happens the thought happens make a choice that probably different it was to what you did when you're in the depth of an eating disorder yeah yeah because i don't think anyone really would like love their weight to be announced to a room no. and i know plenty of people who don't have an eating disorder um yeah but so i'm kind of like oh they announced my weight in the room it's like okay well they've done they did that for every other patient um and it's yes it's how you engage with that I was very impressed actually another tangent but the other day I did a skydive mm-hmm. which was awesome okay um but they said you have you have to be below a certain weight um to do the tandem um and so they were like could you get onto the scales and I was like mm, yeah okay got onto the mm. scales they didn't say a word which I was like Thank you very much. You didn't need to announce it to the whole queue behind me. I didn't need to know. You've just put it in your notes to say she can skydive. Damn right you can. Yeah. Yeah. And it was blooming brilliant as well. Um, I'm going to do something that... um, like what we were talking about before when you were like, oh, oh yeah. um, I'm going to talk to a friend over lunch or whatever. So my brain is being like, whoa, you've been talking for ages. You should stop now. But I still have more questions. So we're going to go hmm. over the time limit that I normally set. Oh, myself. my gosh. I know. This is, I mean, as long a as you're OK first. with that. <laughs> yeah, sure. We've spoken about diabetes and diabulimia. I want to talk to you about sexuality and yeah. the impact if any that mm-hmm. you think mm-hmm. that might have had on the development of your eating disorder again i don't know because i've i've never exactly. not been gay yeah <laughs> um um uh, yeah i i don't know and and i of course knew that there was 
something different about me. Um, uh, but I was in such a low mood, a, a, a state of prolonged low mood that I, you know, and also with, with eating disorder, completely like reduced libido. And so I wasn't experiencing the feelings I thought I should have been feeling at the time, according mm. to uh, common knowledge of teenagers and um, what I was seeing at, at school. Like I could see other, other people had girlfriends. I was like, I don't really, don't really want one of those. Um, <laughs> no offense to the one I did have. Oh, I'm sorry. No, I know. It's I she's not listening. No, um, uh, um, yeah. but um, <laughs> honestly, such a nice person. But just I was gay, um, uh, and and sad, and I, I, I was I was mentally ill. Um, not the best uh, person to be around. Um, so I don't know. I think I had, in some ways, it's like okay, this is happening, that's happening, that's happening. I'm gay. Sure, chuck it on the fire. Everything else is burning anyway. Um, it, it just felt like just another thing of like this. The, here's the thing, but I honestly didn't feel the need to come out. I didn't feel the need to do any of that because I had convinced myself that I was so unworthy of love, no matter how I declared myself uh, in regards to my sexuality. It wasn't going to be reciprocated, or no one's going to take me up on the offer. Was was the thought that I I had, um, and I was so. I was I, I just I wasn't I I was so devoid of of so many feelings and so many emotions that sexuality or love or anything like that I, I it just felt completely foreign to me it felt like it it was a language that I could not speak so ugh, there's no point in me learning it I have never phrased it like that before um it just wasn't it was not on my radar whatsoever. Um, not to say that I didn't occasionally dabble. Uh, <clears throat> some some uh, would have an occasion, um, which is lovely. I you know it was terrifying, but um, it would happen occasionally. But again, I would then back it up with they felt sorry for you. That's the only reason they did that, or they hated that. They're never going to do that again. Oh, they did it again. Well, that was just to see. No, they definitely hate it or this person was put up to it by a mate as a thoughts you'd have, or um, why did they do that? Why, there's other people they could have chosen. Why did, is it just because I was there? You know, I would constantly try and come up with some excuse for why someone would, wanted to be with me. Um, and they were out, they're all pretty outlandish, as you can tell. And then, oh wait, so I think I, I think I came out, as it were, with having mental health issues before coming out as gay. So I think that was, is that right? Yeah, yeah, I think it was actually. Um, and you know what, everyone around me was like, no shit, Sherlock, when I came out. But that doesn't make it any easier. Like, I was very lucky that I... When I came out, I came out with the person I'm with nine years later. So for me, I had a like an anchor. When I said to my parents, like, there's someone I'm seeing and I like them and they're they're a boy. They were just like, cool, when do we meet him? 
why is he not here at this lunch that you've orchestrated um and um that that was that was lucky but in terms of me at 15 so that's in like 2000 and something 2009 or something like I, I uh I wasn't on social media or social media wasn't as rife as it is now um so I there wasn't a, such a proliferation of um of uh aspirational body types really there were in the movies or there were in, in things like that but whereas now if you type I mean don't but if you type in hashtag something or other you know you 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 can't move for these all these bodies and of gay men and of them living quite hedonistic lifestyles which for me in Scotland just felt very felt very other to me um so again I kind of pushed all these things away because I thought well that's that's, that's never going to be available to me um so I I didn't have these aspirational body types that I was trying, I was striving for. So for me, it was never a case of, of, it was never a case of muscle gain or trying to get a six pack or doing all this stuff. It was never, it wasn't that it was, it was absolutely the, the, just the reduction of size mm. for me. Um, and <laughs> in my student days, I once went to a gay bar in Glasgow and I was like, oh, I think someone's trying to feel my bum. They were trying to steal my wallet. <laughs> um, um, that's what that was. And that's okay. Um, but I didn't, but I didn't, I didn't invite any attention. I didn't want attention. I didn't want anyone to look at me. I didn't want to be viewed as a sexual person, which is a shame because now that I'm 30, um, you know, I'm like, ah. I could have spent some of my wonder years a bit differently. Um, I had, I was compromised. Um, it's hard, but, but what, now it's tricky. And I've had this discussion with my partner that I've got such a hatred. I do of social media and, and how people are portraying themselves. Mm. And he's very right to call me up and it being like, is it that you hate it or are you a bit jealous but you can't admit that because you've made such a thing of the eating disorder <laughs> and it, it's do I actually do I actually hate it or do I actually hate that it's not achievable for me it's it's so complicated um and some people just take nice pictures of themselves and want to share those I don't feel like I can do that. I just don't feel that I'm, I don't want to do that. And it's, so it's, it's taking some, I'm, I'm, that's my current project of just trying to re-examine my, my negative relationship with social media. Cause I've put a real, I've been quite judgy about it. And like, look at that. Oh my God. Oh, they've probably stood in front of the mirror for, for minutes trying to get that picture okay well so what it doesn't make them a bad person what is it that, that what is it that I don't like about that um so that's something but that also I'm trying to... I always try and flip it on its head as well like you know if you go 
to the I went to the gym the other day and there was this mm. guy and he was walking around and he kept lifting up his top checking his abs and he kept taking pictures of himself blah 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 and initially I was like oh for god's sake and then I thought no he mm. is probably really really struggling with something mm. maybe what you see as like a, a lean ripped stomach he doesn't see that and he's checking or maybe mm-hmm. he's checking to make sure it's still there and it's all mm. you know it's all thoughts that I've had myself you know I've struggled with that myself so then for me when I then look at people and judge them I'm like well that's wrong because you've been there and that's definitely something I'm working on is kind of having I guess just compassion for other people Mm -hmm. you know if they do display themselves in a different light and I've had this conversation with one of my friends so many times um like you know why are they doing that they're probably not mm-hmm. doing it because they're super confident and they want everybody to see what they look like. They're probably doing it because they need that appraisal from other people because they're not getting it from themselves. And my 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 gut reaction is always to go like, yeah, but are they happy? To try and make myself feel better because Lawrence, are you happy? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like what what I like to stand on, hun? Like, it, I don't know. I think I. I, I I think I'm rally. I rally against a lot of it because I feel that you know a lot, uh, a lot of undue importance is placed on aesthetics mm-hmm. and 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 physical appearance. Um, so maybe I'm trying to readdress that balance and be like, it doesn't matter what you look like, but maybe I've taken that to slightly too far. Uh, a point because now I'm turning up places looking like shit <laughs> uh, or I'm not making the effort with myself and a partner has points out that like you know sometimes like doing your hair or just dressing up nicely actually has a ha- does have a reaction yeah uh, in that you start to feel a bit better about yourself if I mean lockdown was hard and that's hardly newsworthy I was constantly like wearing just like joggy bottoms and just crap. And you're like, oh, feels horrible. Not saying if I walked around with like a three-piece suit, I would have felt dandy. But like just making a bit of the effort because making the effort. And as you say, for the people around you, like my my boyfriend doesn't want to see me just wearing my pajamas all day. Like it's what, what I think is so hard. Well, not so hard, but I think what is interesting is that so much I've I've attributed so much of my life and or spent so much of my life fixated on the eating disorder and the depression and the blah blah blah, and the blah, 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 blah that there's the danger that it has made me quite a selfish person because I've spent so much time inwardly looking inwardly and making excuses and oh well actually I went through this really dramatic thing when I was you know blah blah blah, blah. okay um but <laughs> that doesn't help my boyfriend when we're having an argument or mm. if I haven't, you know, or if I'm not picking up that phone message to that friend who might need me more than, than, than I think, or, that, or, or I don't know, it's, it's tricky. There comes a point when you kind of go, okay, okay, enough. Like, mm. or I don't know, it's, it's, it's if the listeners are listening to this and they're thinking he is making no sense is because I'm thinking out loud right now or it's, it's yeah. very, this is, this is, 
not an area that I'm comfortable with and it's something that I need to, to, to be doing a bit of work on. But I actually think that listening to you sort of go back and forth and not quite know what you're you're saying is actually so important to hear because I think pretty much most of the people I have on this podcast are very far along in recovery you know they've been doing it Mm. for a while or they're fully recovered or whatever it's not I mean I don't tend to have people that have got an eating disorder right now on the podcast but the the thing that we then lack is sort of that what the hell is going on in my life right now I don't understand why am I doing this I want to stop but I can't stop I need to stop everybody wants me to stop but I just need to keep doing this yeah and we've all felt like that that's why it persisted for so long but now we've you know I've been in recovery for nearly 10 years now I've had 10 years worth of therapy I've had Mm -hmm. 10 years of trying to work this stuff out trying to understand why it's still lingering why it's why it happened in the first place yeah that's a long time so for somebody listening that's still in the depth of an eating disorder thinking do I want to recover I don't know why am I doing this Mm-hmm. you know us sitting here saying oh yes yeah, so when I was 14 I developed an eating disorder and I went to the doctor and I they referred me on and I had some therapy and now I'm great yeah it's lovely to hear and it's lovely to mm-hmm. hear that you can recover but you know that that messiness I think is so refreshing mm. to hear as well to know that you know everybody's been there when you don't have your shit together and you just want to scream and yeah. you just want it to leave you alone for five seconds, but you can't. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because it, 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 it touches every part. It can, it has a, the, the capability to, to affect all, all different sorts of your life. And it's, um and it's, and it's that thing of, okay, well, who am I without this? who am I without or without just completely removing an eating disorder thought pattern from from the from the equation that is is a really hard piece piece of maths to do um I think the majority of people that I've spoken to that have had an eating disorder thrive on labels and Mm. you know whether that's you know for me it was Hannah the anorexic or Hannah the girl that always got straight A's Hannah the power lifter mm-hmm. I'm now at a place in my life where I'm kind of just Hannah mm-hmm. and Hannah still does loads of different stuff mm-hmm. but when I like meet people there's nothing that you know when I power lifted that was all I ever spoke about but now I'm like I have a lot of different things I could talk about which is so much better but equally mm-hmm. it's sometimes quite an uncomfortable place to be in and that it's quite a vulnerable place of I'm just Hannah like, yeah and, and and that and that is enough yeah, it, yeah. I did, yeah I needed to add on Lawrence who had an eating disorder Lawrence who because as I say I thought that made me remarkable when I don't know probably like the sixth most interesting thing about me maybe you know like if um <laughs> um being kind to myself like there's other yeah you're more than you are more than just your eating disorder you're way more than just it than, than that and um which yeah when you're not feeling too great about yourself can be hard to hear but um 
yeah, you are, you are more. You are. Well, I genuinely feel like I could talk to you for the rest of my life. Yes. Um, if I, let's, yeah. <laughs> so hopefully that will happen. I have Absolutely. two questions that I oh, ask at hit. the end of each podcast. Um, so I'm going to do those. How sweaty am I right now? <laughs> I have reduced a lot in sweat. When we started this, my face was glowing. I mean, oh. I was dripping. I'm now... Oh. Hmm. oh have you increased okay. in sweat? Well, a little bit, yeah. yeah. Good. Well, but that's okay. I, I kind of... Yeah. I'm just kind of I'm basking in it now. Good. It's happened. Yeah, that's what you have to do. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna have to remember the questions now. My brain is just. Oh, sure. I feel like we've done so much revealing of like turning stones upside down. That my brain. Mm-hmm. I think I'm gonna be going to sleep a bit. Sleep straight after this. The questions. Okay, first one. So, and this is, I think is quite a good one. We're going to do this specifically for diabulimia, which kind of Mm. already spoke about. So obviously the people that are listening to this podcast, maybe they don't know about diabulimia. Maybe it's something people haven't heard of, but are probably going to know about eating disorders because that's why they're listening to an eating disorder awareness podcast, which is great. Mm. And thank Mm. you everybody. But how do you think we reach those people that have no idea what an eating disorder is? First of all, I completely forgot that this is a podcast and people will listen to this. Thrilling to be reminded at the end. Uh, I was like, we're just having a chat. Did you think oh, we were just yes. having a casual chat? Well, that's really yeah, cute. Yeah, yes, yeah. Anyway, maybe censor some things. Uh, no, um, well, I mean, this sounds stupid, but I, in the time of uh, being ill, would latch onto anything I could find in the media. And there was a storyline on Hollyoaks. Never watched an episode in my life. I became a fan because of there was, there was a character who had an eating disorder. And in a time when I was like, I feel very, very alone. Something's wrong with me, but I don't know what it is. And then I was like, oh, oh, is it that? Okay, I'm going to follow this story. And of course, it's sensationalized and... I don't know, she probably got kidnapped and, and all, the, all this stuff. Um, didn't happen to me. But, um, and again, it was, that was tricky because that was a, a, a person who wasn't me, a, a, of a gender that wasn't mine and of a sexuality that wasn't mine and, and having experiences that were very not mine. But seeing an eating disorder on TV was hugely powerful. And I don't know, and so I'm not, you know a massive like soap watcher or I'm not like things but if I hear rumblings of oh there's an eating disorder storyline I'll check it out I'll see what's mm-hmm. going on and <laughs> because so many people tune into these so many people watch mm-hmm. tv or so many people listen to podcasts hey hey or and, and especially now holy moly in, in with mm. the past couple of years that's something that's binding a lot of people together is media which is yeah and something that i find really tricky this is a bit of a tangent sorry i'm a tangent. huge taylor swift fan me Oh my god. Anyway, huge fan, huge, huge fan. But um 
when she stood up there accepting album of the year at the Grammys for 1989, she's been heralded with the biggest award on the biggest night in a huge industry. Millions of eyes are watching her. And I'm sitting there going, I don't think she's very well. Or like, she's so thin. And yet it was never talked about. And of course, I can't say that people should talk about it. But then a couple of years later, when she did Miss Americana, her, her documentary on Netflix, she talks about having an eating disorder, or she talks about she was going through periods of starving herself. And because of the intense media scrutiny and, and, the, and all the photos. And what was hard is she is one of the most globally, I say globally recognized, she's a huge star. And she was publicly having an eating disorder and it was not discussed. And I'm not, so, and, and I don't, and I'm, I'm not trying to pressure someone to come out and have an eating disorder, you know, and, and it's a very private thing, of course. Mm. But we could all see the physical, at least the physical signs of that is a low weight person that doesn't need to be an eating disorder. Of course not, but no one's talking about and, and that felt a bit gaslighty a bit because mm. also she's a huge icon for so many people. And so I'm not Taylor, if you're listening to this, um, I love you. But, uh, this is, if she's she's listening it. to this, then, Oh my God. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> We've done something right, baby. Um, <laughs> you're totally right. But so I think that that's just, that's tying into um, the media or, 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 the general public how do we ingest um a lot of stuff it's through twitter it's through water cooler moments about oh my god did you see such and such last night or do you watch the new hbo drama or i don't know things like it would can you hear the sirens they're really pissing me off <laughs> That's like, one. shut up go home <laughs> but things i don't know even like gray's anatomy so sorry but they're so thin on that damn show mm-hmm. and but there's a huge prevalence of mental health issues and eating disorders in the medical community so maybe it would do be really cool if we actually said like hey we know like we're unrealistic beauty standards and we're placing them on our female cast members and male cast members actually um hey let's talk about it and talk about it because they know people are watching yeah I think you're so right. I think what needs to happen more is we need to have conversations about somebody having an eating disorder without it being a death sentence. Yes. Because at the moment, all that happens is it's when it's a tragedy, which obviously needs to, you know, we need to be talking about that because it can happen. But also mm-hmm. I hate the fact that, you know, in my head always is, parents going to um a clinic with their child and the child being diagnosed and the parent thinking well that's it I can't Mm. do anything that's the death sentence because that's how it is spoken about Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. not in the eating disorder I guess community if you want to call it that but outside in the outside world that's kind of what's going to happen yeah yeah it's such a gradual thing trying to like yeah change the hearts and minds of the great british public of course (laughs) um my god um but yeah i don't know you never know what impact and maybe it doesn't so maybe a tweet of so and so from such and such has revealed you know 
that might mean nothing to 98, 99% of the, of the great British public. But for those, and I'm speaking for, for those young guys, those young lads or people who, who don't, who, who feel a bit excluded even from the eating disorder narrative, mm. then they're like, oh, wow, okay, they've got it. Maybe, well, and, and, you know, it just open, hope, hopefully opens up communication um, points for them too. So yeah, I just, I just, I mean, maybe it's just a boring old answer, but just how mm-hmm. do we get more people to talk about it, show talk it more, it. Yeah. Talk, 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 talk about it more. Yeah. Okay, second right. question. Which is my favourite Taylor Swift album. Oh my God, I don't know. Folklore, obviously. I don't know. Nevermore? I don't know. They've, they've both got bops. Anyway, um, continue. Thank you for that great insight there. I'm really Absolutely. glad. Um, that can mm-hmm. go on your wiki page. I, Absolutely. I being an actress and you've got a wiki page. If you haven't, you should not, make one. Not so. yet. Not yet. Anyway. You'll get one. Well, if Taylor Swift is listening to this, oh, you know. she'll be making it for you. Absolutely. Um, second question. Your top tip or your best advice for somebody who's looking to get support for their eating disorder? Oh, shit. Okay, the first thing I thought of was be honest. Yep. Don't know why. Don't know why I thought that, but okay, let's run with it. Be honest. Why did I say that? Because maybe going back to what I said earlier, the pain that you are experiencing is valid. Mm-hmm. You don't need to be on. I mean, so you don't need to be on the most extreme side of things, but unfortunately, in some cases, that is what gets you in the door. But in but we're talking about. Oh God. Okay. Track back. Track back, Lawrence. Help doesn't just mean a GP or it doesn't just mean, but it can be a parent, it can be a friend, mm-hmm. it can be a loved one, it can be someone you work with, it can be something. And if, I, sometimes if, I don't know, if you kind of give them half the story, then they might then try and uh, respond to the half that you've given them, but then that kind of ignores the other, and maybe there's other... Hmm. What am I thinking? I think if they've even engaged in the activity of seeking help, that already shows humongous strength, mm-hmm. which is absolutely should be lauded and just celebrated. That even in the 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 worst time and the and the worst that they are feeling and they might feel powerless at times in the face of the eating disorder they have got themselves to the stage where they can ask for help mm-hmm. and so even though it might be a small voice like you're you are you're you're shining a light in the darkness to yourself um and i think that that is a huge step um and everything else that that comes from that it will, it will if if you manage to do that then hey like you got you've got you've got strength in you and 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 you can get out like oh god i don't know it's hard like it's quite <laughs> like it's quite uh it's quite an emotional um thing because i just i'm hey well if anyone is listening and they are struggling they don't really know what to do then um you have my absolute you've got my absolute sympathy um because it's 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 not a, it's not a place that i would wish on anyone um and the fact that this 
person whoever's listening is going through it I'm really sorry and um, that re- really it's that's really sad I'm really sorry for you but hey um as we've discussed it is not it's not the end it is it is it is it's a chapter in your life but it's not yeah. it is not the entire book oh my god that's what I'd say I would say it's a yeah. chapter in your life but it's not the entire book baby Woohoo! Um, oh god, god we got there in the end holy crap Oof. right I Ooh. adored that conversation in every single way which Bless is you. why I think it's happened possibly for about an hour and 40 minutes which I think is just fantastic um listen yeah I say um a lot, so you're gonna have you, you'll cut then like um, two hours um, worth of me going um. It made me sound stupid though. Like, give me oh, a bit of you know. I I will make you sound incredible because you already sound incredible. So there we go. go. That's that's what we we're looking for. I keep forgetting people are listening to this. <laughs> uh, <laughs> dear well, me. I hope you've enjoyed it as much as I have. Bless. It's been so lovely to chat to you. You too, sunshine. Thank you. May it continue. I absolutely loved that episode with Lawrence, and I think one of my main takeaways was we often say, "Oh, you know, how did that influence your eating disorder?" But at the end of the day, that's that's our life. So how are we meant to understand that? Next week, I'll be joined by Alice McBain, and together we talk about disordered eating, sexuality, mental health, therapy, and medication. With the expectations that we have on the way society expects the the kind of general man to look and the general woman to look for example if if you're a trans woman you might feel the pressure to slim down because there's these expectations of women to be slim but to have boobs and a bum at the moment because that's the trend in women's bodies and there are also non-binary people and and people don't believe them when they say they're non-binary because they're like well you have big boobs so you can't be non-binary as if that's you know mutually exclusive and things like that so you know if you enjoyed listening today you won't want to miss next week's episode so be sure to subscribe eating disorders are crippling illnesses but with the right support they can be recovered from we really hope you enjoyed this episode but if you require more support right now please look into charities such as first steps and beat for support or talk to someone you trust